Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge program. The Fatherhood Challenge is a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability of an environment and culture. We're going to encourage and challenge each other to step up and do courageous things that make our families and communities better places. So let's get to it. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always good to have you with me. My guest today is his name is Herman Few, and he is a sports psychology consultant, a sports analyzer and former NFL recruiter. He has also been involved with other fatherhood organizations and initiatives, and we will talk about those a little bit later on. But I'd like to keep to our tradition of starting off with a dad joke. So, Herman, do you have a dad joke for us? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I have, I have to say before I give this great joke, I have to tell you that this is compliments from my son. He, he told me this when I believe he was six or seven years old. I'm not a joke guy, but this is something that resonated. So this is my go-to. So this is the joke. What do you call a sleeping lawnmower? No, what, what do you call it? A bulldozer. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you were absolutely I, right. It is a great <laughs> joke. <laughs> Your son's got great taste for what it's yeah. a, for what is a good joke. <laughs> right. I, I I don't know that I can say he got that from me. <laughs> but well, I just, just fooled me. Even the delivery was good. <laughs> 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 right. Well, Herman, thank you so much for being on the show and, and joining joining me. It's it's great to have you here. So let's go ahead and just get right into it. So we've talked a little bit before the episode, and um, I mean a little bit before that too. But you have quite an interesting background of what led us to to this discussion. So tell me a little bit about your home life and how you grew up. Well, let's see. I had a, a very interesting uh, upbringing. Um, my father was in the uh, United States Air Force. So I was, at least the first part of my life, I was considered to be a, a, a military brat, as they say, meaning we it looked as though we were going to live all over the country. So I was, I was born in St. Paul, Minnesota, um, lived there for a couple of years. Then we moved to Michigan, a small, a small city in Michigan. I don't even remember the name of it. We were there for, I believe, two years. Then we moved to Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, we were there for four years. I lived on an Air Force base. And literally, there was nothing in, at that time, there was nothing in Grand Forks, North Dakota. But the Air Force Base and a Sears and a Kmart outside the base. <laughs> I remember on the weekends, that was a big thing for us to leave the base and go to Sears or Kmart. And we were there for four years and then we moved to uh, Washington, D.C. Well, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. My father um, was an ROTC instructor. So he was at a couple of the um, universities out there, Georgetown, Catholic University, and University of Maryland. And then finally, when I was 10 years old, we moved to Los Angeles. 
and he was stationed at Los Angeles Air Force Station. And from that point forward, I didn't even, didn't move anymore, and I finished up the rest of my elementary school. Went to at that time called junior high school, and went to high school, all in the same location, Harbor City, California, just outside of Los Angeles. Um. So aside from you know being in a lot of different places, um, I grew up. I grew up in a family that was, I think it was, I would consider, at least by today's standards, traditional, meaning, you know, my father, you know, being a military guy, he, he was into his career. And my mother, she was a, a, house, a home homemaker, a housewife. So everything was very traditional. You know, she did the cooking, the cleaning, um, took care of the kids. My father would go to work and he was, quote unquote, the breadwinner. And um, that was pretty much how it was until I reached my mid to late teens. And at that point, my parents um, started having severe marital problems and their relationship deteriorated. And then the home became a lot different, you know, whereas before my memories as a, as a youngster, things were very organized and very tranquil. And I I had a very happy upbringing, but by the time I became a teenager, things were very difficult emotionally. Um, I didn't, I can't say that I was a, a child that dealt with not having I always had a roof over my head, those type of things, but emotionally things were getting very, very difficult. And um, I think my father was having a lot of difficulties with transitioning from the military into the civilian life. And I think that was difficult for him with respect to dealing with his family and dealing with me, (laughs) you know. I had, and by the way, I had a sister that was a couple of years younger than me. Um, so it was just the two of us. So basically we were a family of four. It sounds like it was quite a traumatic change just from the marital situation and, and how that impacted you. Did you ever feel stressed from that or anxiety from, from the uh, marriage falling apart? Very much so. Um, I was very, what's interesting was I was very, very close with my mother but I really identified with my father, you know, as a role model, you know, um, I felt in a lot of ways, which I think was very stressful for me. I couldn't understand why we were really having as many problems as we were having. Cause I really felt like I was much like him, you know, and I felt like in a lot of ways I wanted to be like him, you know, um, so the stress was kind of like not really understanding what was going on and and you know um and then obviously watch seeing my mother become very unhappy seeing my father very frustrated and um then the uncertainty of literally every day what it was going to look like in terms of arguing and 
you you knew something big was about ready to blow up and happen. You just didn't know when and what. And that's what I carried with me for really the bulk of my teenage years until later on they ended up divorcing. But that was that was later on. How did your life change when you had kids? And what struggles did you run into in trying to be involved and stay involved in, in their lives? And did the impact from what we just talked about with your childhood, did you feel any of that as you became a father? Well, first of all, um, so I had, I had kids, what I consider to be later. Um, so I have two children. I have a daughter and I have a son. And when my daughter was born, I was 38 years old. That was my first child. I was married. Um, me and my wife, we had been married for nine years before my daughter was actually born. And um, it had got to the point where we were wondering, well, maybe we were not going to be blessed with kids that maybe we were going to um, have to adopt some kids to be parents. Um, at first, early in the marriage, she wasn't getting pregnant. And then she was getting pregnant, but she was miscarrying. So, um, but eventually my daughter was born. And you talk about how did my life change? I mean, I felt like I was born again. I, w I mean, I was so excited. And I, you know, um, I felt my whole purpose in life had changed because, you know, being, being a husband, you know, I felt responsible for my wife. And even though it was just me and her, I saw us as a family. So I felt responsible for the family. But then when my daughter was born, that just took it to another level, you know, and I and I was there when she was born. And I just remember to this day looking at her after she was born and our eyes coming together. And um, it was just kind of like she gave me a look like, no, nah, I'm here. So it's on you, buddy. You're going to have to take care of me. And I just I just, <laughs> you know, and I just it was just. Man, it was I was overcome with joy. Really. That's such a powerful moment, isn't it? Oh man, absolutely. You know, and I mean, it's the best way to say it, like you just said, it was just powerful, powerful. You know, I was just so overcome. I felt so blessed. You know, um, yeah, yeah, and um, and then it really. I think it brought me back to the early years of when I was a kid, because as I shared with you, uh, the early years of my childhood were really good. I really enjoyed my childhood. So I immediately flipped into the mold that even though she was an infant, I had all these plans for her and her childhood. And mm -hmm. I wanted her to do this. And um, that's why I like when I said, when I think about, how I grew up, it, 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 it was it was funny because it was like a tale of two cities, <laughs> two extremes, <laughs> yep. you know. But I wanted I wanted nothing but the best for my daughter, and um, that's what it was. Powerful. Was it easy to stay engaged and to be involved in her life all the time throughout her childhood? It was absolutely easy. And well, it would, this was kind of like a tale of two, two cities too, because, um, while, uh, I was married, it was absolutely that, I mean, I was a very 
hands-on dad. Um, I did, you know, I didn't have a problem. I'd comb her hair, bathe her, dress her, um, all the things that I remember only my mother did when I was a kid because that was the mother's role and the father didn't bother himself with those things. I was the type of father that bothered himself with everything, mm. you know. So I did it was it wasn't difficult because I think from the time she was born I decided that um I want to be engaged. I want all these moments. Um I embraced them. You know, I didn't I didn't look at it as work. I looked at it as this is what I want. I looked at it as this was a blessing and I've been blessed. So, um, though not to say that it wasn't challenges, you know, but there were, there were challenges that I, I looked for. Did that always continue throughout the relationship of, of your daughter? Was it that access to her and that, uh, that engagement, was that always easy to maintain? It was. Um, however, about four years after she was born, my son was born and, um, I think because me and her were so close, she was probably, to say the least, a little resentful when my son came along. And uh, I had to tell her, there's enough of me to go along, go around for you and your, your brother. So, mm. um, but that, that was really, in all fairness, that was a short period of time. And once she bought into that, then I was engaged with both of them individually and collectively. You know, I, I thought it was important that they had their own individual identity, but then I also thought it was important that they collectively as brother and sister, you know, um, as I used to tell them, you must always have each other's back. You, you must always be there for each other, you know, without being overbearing, but always be supportive. And here, here we are now, um, my daughter's 19 and my son is 15 and they ha they have a very close relationship. And I think a lot of that has to do with the engagement that I had with them individually and collectively. Did you ever have any barriers to being able to uh, stay engaged with them as they were growing up? That's an interesting question. The only barriers that occur was unfortunately um, me and their mother, my wife, um, our, our relationship came to an abrupt ending. And um, unfortunately, um, it became a, a, a child custody uh, dispute. And um, she wanted to relocate to Southern California. We were in Northern California. So just logistics made things difficult. You know, um, I obviously because for the longest I still was in Northern California working while they were in Southern California for about five years. And then eventually I moved to Southern California and, um, now I did have joint legal and I had joint physical custody. Um, so our, um, custodial time was close to 50, 50. It was a little bit more on her side, but when I was with the children, no, we were very, very engaged. I was very, very engaged with their activities and um, just connected to them. We were very connected. I spent a lot of time talking, 
Um, and I, I really focused on doing quality things with them. Um, we would do stuff like take walks, go to the park, go to the beach, um, do a lot of things where we could interact with each other. Was it ever a challenge to separate yourself from the stress of a relationship falling apart and then just see your time with your kids as its own separate thing? Or was it sometimes hard to keep those two things unblended from each other? Um, I, you know, I think because the relationship had gotten so bad that it was, it wasn't hard to separate them because it was like, again, it was two extremes. Um, the unfortunate happenings between me and, me and their mother and then my beautiful relationship with them. So the only way they, they cross-pollinated was when there was issues with, you know, the, the, the custody stuff, the legal stuff, or, you know, maybe um, issues that maybe me and, me and their mother had to address. But if, and believe it or not, you may say, well, how could you do this? But I just, again, I, I cherish the times and the moments with them that I would not, when I was with them, I was with them. And I just kind of blocked a lot of stuff out, including even my career. I, I, I blocked a lot of, um, I had to put a lot of stuff on the back burner, another relationship, my career, because it, it, it took so much me to be able to be present for my kids. And that, I believe that became my number one, um, yearning in life was that relationship. I've always imagined it being a very, very big challenge to try to keep your time with your kids insulated from everything else that's going on. Uh, it was very admirable that you were able to do that. I just can't imagine how difficult it was to do that. It was, it, I mean, it was tough. It was tough, but you know, I think, I think I stayed focused on it because I knew there's no way you can have a, a breakup where it doesn't affect your kids. And all kids, I believe all kids want their mother and father to be together. So when the reality to me was that couldn't happen. I really felt bad for my kids. I felt like they were missing out on something. So I think because of that, I, I was determined and in a lot of ways would overcompensate in other areas to try to bring a sense of normality, to bring um, a sense of happiness because I knew that those were things they were missing out on because I had went through that. And I also wanted that so badly not to happen, which ended up happening. So keeping all those things in mind, um, it wasn't hard for me to focus and insulate myself with them when I had the time. I think that was the motivation. That's something else I think is really powerful is that you were able to use something that was a very painful experience from your past and from your childhood. And that became an asset for you, a strength for you, because when that happened again and you went through it with your own kids, you were easily able to get into their emotions and understand how it would impact them. And you did your absolute best to keep them insulated from that. So as much as possible, they could grow up with a normal childhood. 
that to me is amazing. Thank you. And, and you, you're spot on with that. Spot on. You know, and we'll talk about it as we go through, I'm sure, in, the, in this interview. But one of the things that I try to teach um, gentlemen that I work with is sometimes you learn the most from the most difficult, unfortunate scenarios in your life. And not to say that you look for bad things that happen to you and you want to go through them. But when life presents you those things, um, if you learn from them, you can take those learnings and and a lot of times you can help others. And in this instance, I mean, I literally was trying to help my kids because I knew what they were, to a large degree, what they were feeling because I was feeling the same thing. I mean, I remember I, I wanted my parents to be together so bad until I realized that just couldn't happen, <laughs> you know? And, and I, I mean, even I seen it, I saw it even with my kids for a long while, they wanted us to be together. And then eventually they saw that that probably could not happen. And then they eventually moved on. But, um, to your point, um, yeah, you, when you go through something bad, you can learn from it. And I think that takes some of the sting out of it, you know, and yeah. that's what I tried to do. What was the hardest lesson for you to learn as a dad? And what did it teach you? I had to learn that as much as you want to protect your kids, as much as you want things to be perfect for them, um, you can't do that. I mean, yes, you can protect them. But they have to go through their own life lessons, too. So what I learned was, of course, you don't want their lessons to be so bad that it creates something that maybe they can't come back from, you know. But you have to sometimes let them find out their way. So you kind of monitor it and like, okay, well... They they may dip their hand here. It's going to be a little warm. Now, they're not going to put it in the fire where they're going to burn it off, but it's going to be a little warm, and they'll learn that this is hot and you don't want to touch that. And I use that analogy where um, because as parents, myself, and I've seen this with other parents, sometimes we want to control the whole narrative. And I realized that's, that's not our role. And our that role. fights so much <laughs> against our instinct, because as dads, we see our role as protectors. We're supposed to shield our kids. We're supposed to be on guard and avoid some of these situations from having to happen to them. And it just fights against that when you have to say, you know, these are some lessons you're going to have to learn on your own. I mean, did that, do you feel that pull against that instinct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think about like when they would maybe tell me about some problems that were happening with some kids at school or some kids that they were playing with. And instinctively, I wanted to go there and, and sort it out and take care of it and make it right. And I began to realize that that's not my role. Now, if they were in a situation where they were being abused, then that is my role to stop that. But I had to, you know, look at kind of survey what's going on and be like, you know what, this is age appropriate discourse. And some of this, they have to learn how to deal with. And I can't clean it all up because 
they won't be prepared as adults to deal with conflict, so forth and so on. Did you ever feel alone as a dad where you're just in certain spots or certain stages through your child's development or something that you're going through where you're just feeling like you're, you're in this spot and no one is there with you. Did that ever happen to you? Well, in my case, it absolutely happened. Um, I think it, a lot of it happened when the, the transition of the family being together and then um, the reality of me and their mother not being together um, where I felt, I felt alone with my struggle and fight to stay in their lives and to do that and for the outside world to understand what I was actually going through. So I felt very much alone at that point. And then I also, there was times when I physically felt alone when they were just not with me. And um, sometimes I would sit back and I would literally be in my my residence, my apartment by myself. And I was just like, how did, you know, how did I end up like this? You know, because I always wanted, you know, a family, you know, so definitely I felt um, alone in that regard, but probably the biggest one was my, my quest to, you know, retain my parental rights and, and to be involved in their lives from an equal share. Um, that fight, that I had, I felt very much alone in that because a lot of people, um, the way society is set up, you just, when the marriages break up, you're just supposed to turn them over to the mother. And I just didn't feel that way. I, I didn't feel like, I wasn't suggesting they shouldn't be actively involved with their mother. I, you know, I believe children need a mother and a father equally, they're equal importance. So I was a hundred percent with that. But sometimes um, what I'm beginning to learn is in our society, um, it, it kind of is like, well, if the, if the parents aren't going to be together, mom is going to take care of them and dad's just going to provide a check. And I, I wasn't signing on to that. Did you ever feel like at any point, did you ever feel like you had the support that you needed to be a really good dad? I had situationally, I mean, I had um, actually, you know, um, for a significant period of my kids' lives, my mother was very impactful. Um, and my mother, even though she was my mother and given me um, wisdom from a mother's perspective, I kind of took it as wisdom from a parent's perspective. And then I think about, you know, other people in my life that would come in and out and they would share bits and pieces of things with me that I would try to utilize to make me the best the best father possible. Um, so I'm not gonna say I didn't have support. I did have support, but it was more situational. And it was, and it was up to me to, in a lot of ways, go find it and seek it out. For time reasons, this conversation will continue as part two in the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find this one and catch up on others you missed at thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com. You can also find and listen to The Fatherhood Challenge on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening.